ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Double Take with just Alex Safety. Fortunately, my brother John is not here. It's been a while since we've done an episode, um, and maybe even longer since we did one together. Although I think I think I had one by myself, and then he jumped in on another one um, back during the NBA playoffs. Uh, but here I am now. John is busy. He's out in Phoenix, uh, you know, fully doing Teach for America. He's teaching now. And I'm up here in New York City. The Big Apple just moved about a month ago. Um, yeah, I guess last time that we did an episode, I was in, I was in Miami Heat intern. was having an amazing summer over there. Incredible, incredible experience. Surpassed all kind of expectations I had for it, which were obviously very high. Um, and then, you know, before I knew it, I was applying to jobs and, you know, ended up in New York City working at Alpha Sites, which has also been an incredible experience. So, you know, just uh, getting my feet wet. I've been here for about a month or so, learning a new city. It's awesome. But that is not what's important right now. What's important is that it is Monday night, October 17th, and tomorrow morning, or whenever this is posted, probably on Tuesday, the NBA season is starting. And, you know, it's the off season. Honestly, this one flew by because I was so busy. Um, but, you know, just going on The Ringer, going on ESPN, going on my Spotify podcasts, it's just hard not to get super excited. Tomorrow night, we got, you know, uh, Philly at Boston, and we got Lakers at Golden State. Um, on TNT, so excited for NBA basketball to return. So needed to check in, even though you know been on a little bit of a hiatus, um, as you know we sometimes have these dormant uh, areas with uh, with double take. Um, but hopefully we can get uh, John and I will get into a rhythm soon, and if not, we'll figure out you know a new way. Maybe we get a rotation of of, of guests and, and whatnot. We got plenty of uh, friends who would love to probably hop on and do a little NBA basketball talk. But in any case, today, kind of the way that this, uh, this show is going to go, I'm just going to kind of give my thoughts on each uh, conference, keep it simple, um, just so we can, uh, you know, I'll give my outlook on what the season will look like, the, the predictions. Of course, I'm going to pick an NBA champion, and then I'm also going to predict uh, the NBA awards. Um, but this was a very eventful offseason. Haven't done really any episodes since I'm trying to remember, I think we did the last one was uh, was maybe right after the NBA Finals. Um, so yeah, obviously a lot happened, right? There was the Donovan Mitchell trade. That's the biggest thing that I can think of, especially because I visited the uh, Miami Pro League where Donovan Mitchell played on the same team as Bam, uh, who also the, another NBA also that happened to be on that team was Darius Garland. So while all of us, you know, in the stands there were cheering for. While Mitchell was shooting free throws, Miami, Miami, you know, we didn't realize that he wasn't maybe necessarily, I mean, he was making the connections with Bam, but, you know, he clearly had a connection going with Darius Garland as well. Um, but, you know, that was an incredible experience. It was really cool to watch that. And, you know, I'm happy, like, I've obviously as a Heat fan, definitely wanted Mitchell to come into Miami, but I'm excited because the NBA really, and this is kind of, I think, the biggest theme that I'm noticing when I'm looking through some of these teams uh, the NBA is so, so talented right now. And that's why I think, you know, it's been a topic of conversation this season has been expansion. In the next few years, uh, Vegas and probably Seattle seems like those are the two locations. Definitely Vegas seems like that's one of the one everyone's talking about. But the league is so deep. And what happens when 
every team is super talented. You know, it, you can make more money if you expand. Um, and I know that the the, the Phoenix Suns, um, if they get once they get sold for like whatever, it's going to be four four point five billion dollars. That'll play a role as well. But in any case, uh, the NBA is very deep. You look at Cleveland; they have a t- they have a team, and uh, you know who knows. They, if you told me they were the one seed, if you told me right now, yeah, in five six months, whatever it is, they're going to be the one seed. Like I wouldn't be totally shocked because they got four guys on the team that can be an all star between their their backcourt of of Mitchell and and Garland, who I actually do think those guys will complement each other well. They're guys who can both score and uh, facilitate a little bit defensively. That might be a little bit of a struggle. Um, but that's why you have guys like Evan Mobley, who, you know, he looked like a monster last year and assuming he's only going to get better. You have Jared Allen, also another great defensive player, defensive anchor, um, still really insane how, how they got him for like, whatever, a bag of chips, basically nothing. Um, and even Isaac Okora, who he, he's an interesting, I mean, that obviously they have their two guards and their two players in the front court I guess we'll dive into Cleveland here I'll give you my predictions for them my outlook for them but uh they have their two guys in the front court and their two main guys in the back court and then that three spot is where Isaac Coral would jump in it'll be interesting to see because he's definitely more of a defensive player hasn't really developed a jump shot but if he can just sit in the corner and do, make some work you know that'll be a good thing so that's I guess Cleveland I think that let's jump to the top of the NBA and I'll or the east rather and I'll, I'll go down the list Tier one for me, and I, I guess I'll break this down into tiers, and I guess essentially each tier means that I'll kind of give my rankings of where I think the teams lie. However, uh, any team in a tier, I believe, I, like I wouldn't be shocked if they uh, were the same, if not better, than another team in that tier. So I guess I'll explain as I go, but here we go. Tier one, Milwaukee Bucks. They still have the best player in the world. I think they've had him for... A few years now, really since I think the Lakers won the championship, or I guess since they lost, Giannis has been the reigning uh, best player in the world. Still is at the top. It was never Durant. Um, it was, went from LeBron to Giannis. Giannis dropped the 50-piece McNugget in that closeout game in the finals. And really, a strong argument could be made, I would definitely make it, that if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt, they certainly beat the Boston Celtics. I'll say maybe they beat the Heat. And then I think they also would have beaten the Warriors in the finals. Uh, so I'm really looking at it and thinking, you know, Giannis has those back-to-back MVPs. He's got the defensive player of the year. And then now he's got a chance to kind of go, what, what, what would it be, I guess, two, two championships in three years. And so they're my favorite in the East. Uh, and I think, you know, it comes down to health. It comes down to how, how good the role players are. They do have a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, I think potential for growth in that in that area. Grayson Allen played way too much in that in that Boston series. It was it was shocking a little bit, but you know they're not the deepest team, but they're still the best in my opinion. So they are tier one uh, in my book. Tier two, I got three teams, and the, this is the order I believe actually. I got Brooklyn. This is a team that not many people are too high on just because it's a little risky. I do think it's risky, but I'm not gonna. I, I'm not going to basically assume that they're going to be injured or that Kyrie's not going to work out or that Ben Simmons is going to, you know, not want to play or whatever the case may be. I'm not going to bet on that. I'm going to look at the roster. I'm going to say, you know what? I think this team is, you could argue they're the most talented team in the NBA. They probably are the most talented team in the NBA. And a lot of people see all the other red flags and that's totally valid. 
I would still put them at number two just because I look at that roster and I can't, you know, I can't understand. Even And it's not even just their top three guys. You look down the list, they have a deep bench. They have the guys like Patty Mills. They have the other uh, guys that they were able to add in the offseason, even trading for a guy like Royce O'Neal. Like, he, he's a valuable player in the NBA. And they're a team that, uh, you know, I guess this is something I totally we, we missed over the summer that we'd never talked but the whole Durant situation was wild and I guess I'll give a quick thought on that you know it was very fascinating I was curious uh when he kind of requested the trade I'm like what leverage does he have he's got this four-year deal and we've seen these different kind of periods of of NBA uh player empowerment since really LeBron it was just okay now I'm going to choose what team I want to go on I'm going to play with other superstars then you got to kind of like the Paul George Anthony Davis era of like People were picking teams before they were even the free agent. It was like they were forcing their team to trade them a year before because they were, you know, holding that over their head. And now you have guys, it doesn't even matter if you have one year left where you could say, I'm going to leave next summer. It's like, well, I'm unhappy, so you have to trade me now. So, and we've seen that, I guess. It worked out in a few niche scenarios. I think you had the Harden situation, which I guess the Houston one would apply, but then you also had Harden getting traded for Ben Simmons. Um, But I think when you see the Durant one, I was like, looking. you started looking around the league, it's like no one's going to trade for Durant. So that was an interesting, um, I think it's a very interesting chapter in player empowerment because now we're going to see, like, is it going to start turning the other direction? Probably not, but at least there's kind of been a line has been drawn where like, yeah, you can't just have four years left on your deal and, you know, the team has kind of done everything that you wanted. Uh, you hand, they handpicked, you handpicked the coach, you played, you, you picked who you wanted to play with, all this stuff. Now you're going to try to force a trade. Like, that's not going to fly. Anyway, I think that team is going to be great. Um, so Brooklyn is in Tier 2 along with Boston and Philadelphia. Boston, you know, we, I could see her talk all day about their offseason. They got Brogdon. They got Gallinari, who was later injured. So I guess, you know, that doesn't add up as much. People are talking about, uh, you know, Sam Hauser, I believe, is, is the guy who might replace that, that Gallinari role. You need another scoring wing off the bench. Um, they didn't extend uh, Grant Williams today, but, you know, he's, I'm assuming he'll improve. Maybe he won't be as great as he was in that ridiculous Game 7 versus uh, Milwaukee throughout the season. Definitely not anticipating that. It was a fluker. But uh, that team is going to be strong. Um, and that, that Brogdon trade, when I saw it, I was like, you know, especially as a Heat fan, especially as someone who does not like the Celtics and someone who, you know, just lost to them. I was shocked at how, uh, you know, how little they gave up for him. Although he, he was traditionally kind of a, an injury-prone guy. Um, but Boston certainly is going to be good. Now, the big story with them, obviously, is their coaching situation. Uh, Danny Ainge just poached their, their, uh, their, their assistant coach over the summer who's I think, honestly, it'd be a very different story if they still had that guy. I honestly don't even know his name. But I remember people were making a big deal about how great of a coach he was. And and then Danny Ainge was able to kind of take him. And now the Celtics are stuck kind of with, you know, not not as an optimal uh, replacement for Ime Odoka amid all that. You know, who even, I don't know the story, obviously. We don't know the details, but whatever the heck that craziness was um, that he suspended for the year. Um, so the, but I do still, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. You got a young core. Um, the, the biggest concern really would be, uh, if this season, or for, if you're a Celtics fan, this season doesn't pan out, you might look at Jalen Brown being the next, you know, star slash superstar. I don't know if he's a superstar, whatever definition you want to give it. 
to kind of be like, I want out, you know. Uh, there was, I think, over the summer, a tweet that he liked that was like, you know, Jalen Brown. I, I honestly don't remember. It was like, he's underappreciated or something. Um, so certainly, and because that was when the, the Celtics were potentially going to trade for Durant, so which I thought would have been insane to do um, to separate a young, you know, star or the young star duo of Tatum and Brown. But anyway, I still think that team is is going to be good despite all that kind of dysfunction. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and then Philadelphia. The, Philadelphia, I'm not as high on this team as, as many people are. It feels like any article I read, any podcast I listen to, kind of people are really just, you know, ooing and aahing at, at the potential that this team has this season. And I'll say there's two things that I kind of understand about it. One, you have Embiid, okay? You have Embiid, who is that? He's, I mean, it feels like he's had a few MVPs potentially taken from him. Like any year now, he's going to get it. Actually, three things, and it's the three best players. <laughs> it's the Embiid factor. Then you have Harden. A lot of people were looking at him, saying, "Oh, he's uh, he's in he's in better shape now. He had an off season, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. I don't know. Like, I, I get that, but I guess that's kind of where I disagree. The third, the third piece before I explain, you know, go against Harden is Tyrese Maxey. He is a guy who's going to be a favorite to win the uh, uh, excuse me, not Sixth Man of the Year, the Most Improved Player. And he's a guy who, if he takes a big leap, they, they'll be great. But uh, the Harden factor, I don't know why we're kind of talking ourselves into this again. We've, we know who he is. We very much know who James Harden is. And maybe the argument would be, oh, Embiid will be so great. Tyrese Maxey will be also a great addition. And then the people are throwing in all their um, other uh, role players and saying that's the reason why Harden it kind of will be a good situation for him to, to have a great season and potentially maybe win a championship. I'm not buying it, and especially because as much as I love P.J. Tucker to death, you know, them getting him is not, to me, not really moving the needle. Uh, P.J. Tucker, is he 38 yet? I think he's 37, maybe 38. Um, and he was so great for the Heat, but we really got, I think, and who the guys like this, you get to be, you know, 37, 38, 39. Any season now, he's going to kind of go off that proverbial cliff, fall off the cliff, and, and he's not going to be as effective as he was. And, you know, in Game 7, he played, I think, I don't even know, I think it was 11 or 17, or it was, it was he played very few minutes because he literally couldn't, you know? And, and he's a guy who you get deep in the playoffs. It's hard for these for these older dudes, these veterans, especially if you're a starter, if you're and for him, he's playing such a physical role, you know? So I don't know. I, I'm a little skeptical about this Sixers team. I'm not a big Doc Rivers guy. I don't know who is honestly is a doc, big Doc Rivers guy at this point. They did get the Anthony Melton. Obviously, they still have Thibault. They still have George Niang. Like they have a decent kind of. I guess they also added a Daniel House Jr. So they got they got a decent kind of uh, squad there. Um, and it's going to come down to really those top three players. I mean, it, the PJ Tucker thing I can focus on it, but it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. If you have Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, that's a, as talented as top three guys as you can get in the NBA. So anyway, that's Tier 2. Tier 1, Milwaukee. Tier 2, Brooklyn, Boston, Philly. Any of those three teams, I could see them jumping around. And now, Tier 3. Yes, this is where I have my my beloved Miami Heat. Um, and I will give them the current edge over Cleveland, over Atlanta, over Toronto, who are the other teams in Tier 3. Um, however, if you told me Toronto was above the Heat or Cleveland and so on, and if the Cleveland was above any of the other teams, yeah, I would honestly buy it. 
Um, but the way I'm currently going, giving the Heat the benefit of the doubt, people want to sleep on us because we didn't have a big offseason. We didn't have a sexy offseason. We didn't get Durant. We didn't get Donovan Mitchell. We didn't get any of the other guys that we wanted to get um, or that we were linked to. doesn't matter. I mean, I think definitely the biggest concern for the Miami Heat right now is the four spot. And we'll see kind of where the uh, what who what kind of lineups Eric Spolstra decides to go with. And I think it's the thing about about the Heat and the thing about Eric Spolstra is we've been flexible flexible in years past with our our depth chart and who we've started. I mean, right now it really looks like we're gonna have kind of some sort of combination of Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin sharing the responsibilities of a power forward. And and you know we don't, it can be positionless basketball. Uh, and it's really more about defensive matchups, and not a lot of teams have a four man who's really dominant. That like Jimmy, for example, couldn't couldn't guard unless you have a team like the Lakers going big with Davis at the four. You know, there's other teams like that. Um, but with Bam manning the middle, and with those guys in, with and now we've thrown Hero into the starting lineup. I'm not super worried. I mean, we definitely. In the bubble run, we had Jay Crowder in that four position playing defense and spreading the floor. The middle year where we got swept by the Bucks didn't have that role. We had tried to fill it with, you know, was it Mo Harkless or Trevor Reza? Didn't matter. Whoever it was obviously didn't work. And then last year we were able to fill that role with P.J. Tucker and we really should have probably made the finals and maybe even competed to win that championship. But in any case, the point is that role, uh, we weren't able to, in my opinion, adequately fill it now i think there was one part of of our last episode or one of the last ones we did talking about the heat about which players are going to stay which players are going to leave and i'll say i really look at our roster and as much as i thought that this roster would look different a little bit different than it did last year and i would say it really mostly looks the same other than the, the loss of pj tucker i look at kyle lowry i look at i think about how he had kind of some personal issues that had him off the court he obviously you know pat riley called him out he wasn't in shape um and so i look at kyle lowry i'm like he should have a better season this year especially in the playoffs i mean he could have been so much better in the playoffs if john were here he might be saying that kyle lowry's not clutch and he's not a good playoff player but uh i believe that he can improve this year tyler hero absolutely can improve this year bam out of bio 100 offensively uh he has a lot of room for improvement um Jimmy is the only guy maybe on our team that I would say I don't like have expectations that he'll improve, but could he improve? Of course he could. Um, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson. You know, these are the younger guys can have a better season than they did last year. I love Gabe Vincent. I absolutely love Gabe Vincent, especially in uh, the playoffs when it seemed like our team was cold. We needed momentum. They threw in the kind of Gabe Vincent and Victor Aldipo defensive uh, backcourt and we kind of got some momentum there but uh, you know I guess my, my theme here is overall I, ha- I see all our, 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 the guys on our team and I could see improvements in all of them you know the older ones are really J- Jimmy and, and, and Kyle Lowry who you could say maybe they won't because they're older but I think Kyle Lowry can be, be better than he was last year and all depot too this is the first time in I don't know how many seasons that he's had a fully healthy offseason so very excited for for our team and for us to kind of shock people because this is what we love we love to be in this role of like no one believes in us and honestly I think we're, we're better that way okay so that's my Miami spiel then we have Cleveland I kind of already talked about them I do like what they did they're going to be at the very least a fun team to watch honestly whether it works or it doesn't work like 
it's going to have a lot of talent and it'll be interested to see kind of how it all fits together and how, how good they can be on both sides of the floor. Um, Atlanta, they're a team that is tricky to pin down. Obviously, the acquisition of DeJounte Murray is exciting. It's fun. It's a good guy to maybe to pair with Trey Young. You know, I think Bill Simmons was talking about um, how, how kind of uh, do these guys share the load of like the responsibilities on ball, off ball and whatnot. And Trey Young has been clearly a very ball dominant player. He, you know, I don't even know how, what his three year season averages have been, but like, it's like, seems like every other year, it's like, he's nearly that almost the scoring leader and nearly almost the assist leader too. So now you put him in a backcourt with DeJounte Murray, who DeJounte Murray is kind of a Swiss army knife. He can, he can do it all. He can be off the ball because he's not a bad shooter. He can score. He can totally pass and he's also a good rebounder and clearly a good defender um especially before that injury that he had um so good guy to pair with trey young who's not a good defender um but the rest of that team is also interesting and so uh, you know atlanta they lost i believe yeah they lost in five games in the first round to miami last year i honestly don't see them having much more improvement just because the east is so deep and as i've said the, the, the 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 talent in the league is it only keeps growing um, so honestly, I just actually would put a, I put them at seven. Toronto might be the team, and I, you know, I slept on them in the past few years. Definitely last year was sleeping on them. They had a better second half, um, but they're a team where you look similar to I guess the argument I was making about the Heat, whether that was biased or not. They're a team you look at all their players, and they're like they're younger, and they're guys who you could see improving. You know, um, with OG Ananobi, it feels like every year, you know, we're like, all right, how good is he going to get? Is he going to take a leap? Um, you know, Fred Vinfleet, he's a, he's been a solid guy, an all-star. Um, Scotty Barnes, though, is the most exciting guy on that team. And then and then Siakam, too. He's been kind of, he's had a, a wonky few years on and off. He's not, I don't think he's the most uh, uh, consistent guy. Um, and then also got to give a huge shout-out to former Miami Heat player Precious Achua. So, like, overall, that's a fun team. That's a defensive team. And that's a definitely scary team. I'm glad the Heat were, did not have to play them in the playoffs last year. Um, but so, yeah, that, that, that Toronto team, I'm, I'm, I'm probably sleeping on them a little bit. Um, I do give them the edge over this next, the next teams in tier four. And now tier four is my biggest tier because I truly could see many different, uh, you know, I uh, could foresee many different way, ways that these seasons, the season could go for these different teams. Chicago, their biggest, uh, issue is they're missing Lonzo Ball. And you have obviously DeRozan, you have Nick Vucevic, you have um, you know Alex Caruso, who you know was injured most of the last season or half of last season, whatever it was. They have good players, um, but they're a team that I don't think is deep enough, and they're not complete enough. They're not versatile in the way that you'd kind of uh, hope they could be if you were going to put them in like a definite top eight. So I guess yeah, this is where my tier four begins, and it's really like all the teams below the top eight. I think Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Toronto like are definitely making the playoffs. I'd be shocked if any of those teams didn't. If you put, you know, told me right now I have to bet on one, if you told me there's going to be who has a worse chance, I think it'd actually probably be Atlanta. So uh, Atlanta's going to be the, my eight seed then. And then the tier four, we're going to go Chicago, New York, Detroit, Washington, Orlando, and Charlotte. That's the that leaves us with one team in Tier 5. The worst team in the East, I believe, will be the Indiana Pacers. They're going to trade Buddy Heald and 
Miles Turner. I hope they trade them to the Lakers so my guy LeBron can get another ring. Um, but I think that team's going to be the worst team in the East. And so that Tier 4, like, would it be cr- crazy to me? Or would, it wouldn't be crazy to me if you told me Washington, Orlando, or Detroit was was a nine seed or was in the plan. I think as, you know, we've seen, you know, uh, Orlando and Detroit kind of be in the lottery just about every year. Those teams are good now. I really like, I think they have good young talent. I'm, I'm super, was like super excited to see Jaden Ivey fall to the Pistons in the draft this year. Um, I think Cade Cunningham is going to have a great year as well. He's going to continue to improve like really what we saw in the second half of the season. Then you look at guys like Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, um, even Killian Hayes off the bench. Like, who knows what he's going to do? Um, and then they got, I didn't even realize this, they got Bojan Bogdanovic. So he's, you know, their team, I think, clearly they're not that deep. They're not, uh, they're not very, they don't have a lot of veterans. But that's a fun team. That's a good young team. They have a great backcourt. And so I believe in that team. Similar with Orlando. You know, they have the whole Franz and uh, I can't believe I didn't say Paolo, Paolo Bancaro, um, that thing going on. Uh, Wendell Carter so they, they got a fun young team as well and like though between those two teams it's like those guys you know they're they have enough talent right now so and then Washington of course when anytime you have a guy like Brad Beal um, and you know their their other guys aren't too shabby either those guys I could so these all these teams I could see being in uh in play for for uh, the play-in which I guess then leaves Charlotte they're kind of the iffy team um, I'm not as confident with they you know they had tried to hire Kenny Atkinson they weren't able to get him though obviously the whole Miles Bridges situation he's not going to be playing this season um, so maybe they're a team that's more in limbo than I just give them credit for um, but I do kind of I still think they have relatively talented roster um, so maybe they're down in that tier five with along with Indiana. Well, that is my East. My East, I'll read off the teams. I got Milwaukee, number one, then Brooklyn, Boston, Philly, Miami, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, Toronto are the top eight teams. Then next, I have Chicago and New York in the plan with Detroit, Washington, Orlando following in the final two teams, Charlotte and Indiana. So, who's coming out of the East? The same team that I've picked for the last three years, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now moving on to the Western Conference. Western Conference, I've looked at a lot of these teams and I think about kind of, I guess maybe not a lot of them. Well, you know, it is a lot of them. Like kind of the additions that they're going to have, whether it's guys coming back from injuries or even just acquisitions they made. Denver, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back, that's big. Uh, Golden State, the emergence of their younger players as well as James Wiseman coming back from injury. The Clippers, Kawhi, and the Clippers talked about, I said the Brooklyn Nets might be the most talented team. The Clippers are probably the most deep team in the NBA. I mean, they're benched. They really have like 10 guys who who can legitimately play crunch time. Um, Dallas, actually, no, Dallas, they, don't, they won't have any guys coming back from injury. They lost Brunson, actually. But then uh, New Orleans, that's the other big one. New Orleans with the Zion coming back. So I'm excited to see how the West shakes out. And before I do my tiers, I'll just give the list of the top nine teams. And it's like, this is like, the East I could see had eight teams. Maybe there's nine if you want to throw Chicago and New York in there. That was like, definitely they should make the playoffs. And now in the West, it's even harder. Denver, Golden State, 
the Clippers, Memphis, Dallas, Phoenix, New Orleans, Minnesota, and the Lakers. One of those teams isn't making the playoffs. That's crazy to me. So I, I guess I did, did just give away my order. I believe Tier 1 is Denver and Golden State. Golden State got to give them, you know, uh, the benefit of the doubt, even though maybe their their big threes getting older or whatever. They've done it this the right way. This is like the San Antonio Spurs dynasty. They've been able to supplement their, you know, original big three with some new, younger players. Um, and, like, there's really no reason that they should slow down other than, I guess... Who knows? Maybe it's all the off-court drama with Draymond and Jordan Poole. They just extended Jordan Poole. He's been, obviously, he had a great finals. Um, he's going to be, you know, probably six-man-of-the-year guy this year. Um, Kaminga is going to be good. Hopefully, we can see some James Wiseman minutes. Um, but, yeah, that team is going to be great. Then, I actually do think Denver is going to be the one seed there who I'm picking. They have the back-to-back reigning MVP, arguably the best player in the world. I wouldn't argue it, though. Um, and and they're going to have Jamal Murray coming back and hopefully Michael Porter Jr. might be the X factor there because he's kind of a guy who has had on and off these these weird injuries and his back problems and whatnot um, but that's a talented team that's a good coach That's I think they have the right pieces they have good role players I like uh, Aaron Gordon I love the addition of Kentavious Caldwell-Pope who you know the Lakers really never should have traded for Westbrook at all Um but that's a great team. And so I think that's tier one is Denver and Golden State. One of those two teams should be the best team in the West. The Clippers is, are up next, in my opinion. They lead tier two, but also other teams in tier two, Memphis and Dallas. Those three teams are all going to be great. Clippers, as I said, very deep return of Kawhi. Hopefully, you know, we can see Kawhi be back to what he was because it feels like it's been a minute since we've, we've seen dominant Kawhi Leonard. Um, Memphis, I mean, Memphis was one of the youngest teams in the league last year. And they were the what the two seed, I think. You know they're they're uh, they're a four they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with this year for sure. John Morant, you know he probably has some really good MVP odds, honestly. Um, so yeah, they're they're definitely up there for me. Then Dallas, you know, really the the Luca factor is the main one there, and it's just he also seems like a guy who's kind of had a good off season. He's not going to come out of shape. He looks like he's a little bit slimmer. He looks like uh, he kind of really been focusing this year and that this could be a big year for him. Maybe it's the year he gets his, his MVP and maybe they, it's the year they break through, which I guess they broke through last year in getting to the conference finals. Um, but yeah, Dallas, another team I think is going to be great. Then I move on to tier three. Now the tier tiers one and two, it's five teams. Now tier three will be six through nine. And I think any of these teams could be six through nine. The order that I will give is Phoenix, New Orleans, Minnesota, and the Lakers. Honestly, maybe it's it's against my freaking, you know, uh, I don't know, religion of, of worshiping LeBron James to put Minnesota over him. But I can't say that I really like how their offseason went. Darvin Ham, you know, I liked kind of his MO and his first pre- press conference about being tough, about playing defense, about competing, all that stuff. That's what they need, clearly. You know, who knows? LeBron, poor LeBron has played with so many different play, uh, coaches at this point in his career. Maybe it's his fault. Maybe it's not, whatever. Um, but, yeah. So so that the Lakers, the Westbrook thing, they got to figure out. If they get Buddy Heald and, and Miles Turner, who, by the way, I think it's so, 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 so 
obvious that they need to make that trade if it's on the table. Give up your to give up the 2027 first round pick. Give up the 2029 first round pick. You have LeBron James. You have Anthony Davis. You have to bet everything. And I guess maybe they're probably holding off. They want to wait. See, like, I mean, if LeBron or Davis hurts themselves in the beginning of the season, then they traded those picks for nothing. But I think that uh, they need to pull the trigger. Like, just take take the risk. Do it. You might never get a window like this again. Westbrook and Beverly and LeBron and Davis, that's, that's, this whole thing isn't working. You need, you need to supplement with some shooters and some defenders. Um, so the Lakers are going to be, I guess, the nine. Minnesota at eight maybe sounds crazy because they are a really talented team. They had a good playoff run, um, but that's where they are for me. I don't really, I don't super, uh, I'm not super into kind of the two seven footer thing that they have going. I think that was a ridiculous trade with how much they gave up for a guy like Rudy Gobert. Um, but in any case, that'll be a fun team to watch, no doubt. And I think they should be in the top eight or nine. New Orleans. New Orleans is the most fun team to, to, to kind of think about. As far as what they did last year, you know, even just I'm, the first thing I'm thinking of is in the playoffs with Jose Alvarado. Um, and kind of, uh, you know, how kind of the emergence of him and Herb Jones and those other guys, those younger players. And now you're going to add uh, Zion to an already great kind of they had a dynamic duo of CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. So New Orleans is going to be a fun team. They're going to be, uh, you know, I'll, I think I'm interested to see how Zion gets back in the fold. How kind of Zion plays with, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Jonas Valanciunas, who's a very good, very good serve and very you know good serviceable center in the in the NBA who can score the basketball. Um, so yeah, that, that's gonna be a fun team. Uh, and then even even I forget that I just I'm looking now they have you know Larry Nance too, and so it's like they're defensively they they should really be a good team. And then scoring the ball, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. Those guys can get buckets, and Zion, of course, can really just do it all. Um, so that's a fun team. They they have, might have the high, one of the higher ceilings in the West. So those are the top nine teams. Now I move on to Tier 4. This is only two teams. There are two teams who I could see kind of a wide range of, of possibilities. Portland and Sacramento. I honestly could see those teams being like an 8 seed, maybe even 7, if everything goes right. And then maybe that sounds crazy to say for Sacramento. Sacramento, you know, they got... They got two good, two really solid players in, in De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, and then a number of other serviceable, like really solid role players. And then the Portland situation, you know, Damian Lillard's coming back. Hopefully, he can return to kind of his previous form, but he is getting older. He is on the wrong side of 30. He is a smaller guy, so who knows what we'll see from him. But they're my tier four. Then go to tier five. These are kind of the teams that are tanking. They're all. You know, going, they want Victor Wemben. I mean, can't even say his name. Wembay, Wembayama. When, okay, that's that's a total blooper. Anyway, they're all tanking for Victor. Um, and it's Houston, Oklahoma City, Utah, and San Antonio. Not that it even matters who gets the worst record because it's only a 33% chance or whatever smaller chance. Wait, no, 33. It's 13.3, I believe, uh, percent chance for them to, to win the lottery. So. Those are my teams in the West. I have Denver, Golden State, Clippers, Memphis, Dallas, Phoenix, New Orleans, Minnesota, the Lakers, Portland, Sacramento, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Utah, as well as San Antonio, I think will have the worst record. Um, so those are kind of those two sides. Next up, let's do uh, let's go through some of the NBA awards predictions. 
I'm going solo still. 30, 35 minutes in, here we, here we go. <laughs> so, MVP, we'll start with the big one. Similar to how I'm going to pick Mahomes every year, you know, to win the Super Bowl, maybe even to win, probably to win the MVP as well. I'm going to keep picking Giannis. Um, last year, I think Giannis should have won it. I thought he meant more to his to his team, and he did more on both sides than Jokic, which is maybe, you know, it's, it's impossible to argue against either one of those two guys because they were both so, so, so incredible. And it became more an argument of who's supporting Cass is better, which I don't think is the argument for MVP anyway. But I will say I'm picking Giannis. And the other guy, if I had to pick someone else, it'd be Luka for sure. Those are the two guys I really... Obviously, there's, when the NBA is so deep, there's a lot of guys I could see winning it. But those two are kind of the main ones. Where if you told me at the end of the season it wasn't one of those two guys, I'd be like, all right, like I wonder, I wonder kind of how great they were and how great the other person had to be, uh, who would have won it over those guys. Defensive Player of the Year, we'll skip over this one because it's gonna be Bam. It's obvious. Rookie of the Year, I'm going Paolo Bancaro. He's like I think even money at this point. He's like. The heavy favorite. Um, Jaden Ivey, I hope he gets frisky. That would be really fun. I loved watching him. Really mostly just in the in the tournament last year, but Jaden Ivey's a stud. Um, so he's another guy I'll look at. Coach of the year, if I'm going with my kind of pick of Denver being a really great team in the West, I'm going to say that Michael Malone will be the coach of the year. Other guys I'm looking at, for some reason, it happens to all be Western Conference teams. Um, Ty Lue and Steve Kerr, because I think those three teams, like, I just think the way the narratives work and the way it's like Kawhi will come back and the Clippers are really good, people are going to give Ty Lue a lot of credit. Similarly, if the Warriors have like a really nice title defense, Steve Kerr is going to get a lot of the credit as he deserves. Six man of the year. Now, there's really two guys. I definitely looked, had to look at the odds to see who I thought would be potential to get this. But uh, Jordan Poole, he's... He should be kind of one of the favorites for sure. And then Christian Wood, for some reason, is coming off the bench. I, I don't know how long that'll last because I think he's a great player and he should probably be starting on the Mavericks. Um, but he's another guy who could win six man of the year. But I'm going to pick Jordan Poole. Most improved player. This one is like a crapshoot. You never have an idea. I mean, last year, John Morant won it, who most people would probably consider him, should would consider that he should be ineligible. But there's three names that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Cade, I'm thinking of Tyrese Maxey, and I'm thinking of Scotty Barnes. And I think each of them kind of has a different, it's all about the narratives, right? And the narratives of a guy like Cade being a rookie, being really good, and then um, almost, I guess, almost winning rookie of the year, similar to Scotty Barnes, that who did win rookie of the year, and then having that sophomore season where you just come out and they're like, all right, this guy's on another level. He's kind of, he's he's approached all-star level. He's kind of the guy on his team and they're in their winning games because of him. So I see those two guys and I think that's kind of uh, very possible. And then with the Tyrese Maxey pick, he could be an all-star this year. I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Sixers are studs, if they're as good as everyone kind of is thinking they'd be. Um, and then obviously you have Embiid and Harden, but Maxey, if he kind of shows honestly he might be the, the second best player on that team in, in that case i think he could be uh most improved player lastly scoring title this one's also kind of random you really never know i mean last year it almost was lebron ended up being Embiid, first center to win it in however many 20 years 25 years i don't know what it was um, but this one i'm picking luca i think luca's gonna put together a masterpiece of his season and I, you know what i'll say he's either doing one of these two things this season i would put money down He's either averaging 30 points a game, 
or he's averaging a triple-double. I don't know which one, but he's doing one of those two things, and I'll put my money on it. So I'm saying that Luka will be the scoring title this season. If I had to pick someone else, I'll also just say Embiid because, of course, you know, he did it last year. I could think he could do it again. But that just about wraps uh, up this this NBA season preview, 2023. The Lone Wolf, A-Safe, back at it. Um, Miss John, Miss Eli. Maybe we'll see who else we can get on. Um, I know Eli probably, you probably were like, well, why didn't you ask me? Because John couldn't do it. But had to go solo on this one. Um, so anyway, oh, I, before I leave, I need to make my prediction for the NBA title. Well, the one seeds that I've had, those are that's who I think is winning it. Probably the two best players in the world. We're going to get a matchup between Giannis and Nikola Jokic in the NBA Finals. Love the small market NBA Finals, Milwaukee and Denver. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and of course, I think that's where maybe this is going to be kind of a match of the next few years. I mean, it will probably come down to kind of their supporting cast because those two guys will both be great. But how great can the rest of their teams be for the next few years? But like... I think it'd be a sick kind of next few years matchup where we just see Giannis and and uh, and Jokic and a good kind of rivalry of who's going to win the MVP, who's going to win the NBA title. So I'm picking Milwaukee to beat Denver in let's say you know what let's say seven games. Let's get let's let's have seven fun games of NBA basketball in the finals. But that wraps it up. So it's been another episode, double take or single take, whichever one you prefer. But this is Alex Safey signing off. As always, go Heat.